Welcome, welcome, welcome in to Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan at 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, thanks for being with us on a Wednesday. lot to dive into on this Wednesday on the show. IU rallies back from a huge deficit to get a road win at Ohio State. We'll get to that after headlines. Plus, Hoosiers are back! Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, okay. Uh, A massive shift in how we watch sports on TV coming this fall. We'll get to that. And also, NIL restrictions in place for now. Uh, What the courts are doing after a lawsuit by not one but two states. We'll get to that at the end of this hour. Plus, the Las Vegas mayor had an interesting slip-up on a franchise coming to town. We'll have a have what she, what she had to say as well. That's all this hour plus an hour number two. IU gets a big road win. Now what? Well, it's at Purdue next. And I think the questions on Mike Woodson aren't going away, but maybe there's a different question to ask. Uh, one that we haven't really posed a whole lot into at the moment. Plus, it's the day before the NBA trade deadline. Will the Pacers make a move? Uh, Pacers reportedly interested in a very good target out there. Uh, but will the Pacers do anything? Uh, we'll take a look at uh, who is available and why this would be the right move, but also why I expect the Pacers to do nothing. Plus, uh, we're bringing you a fun Super Bowl story each day this week. And, in fact, I noticed it on my drive-in. The moon. It looked... Uh, the moon will play a critical role in looks, the Chiefs. Uh, it looks cool this morning. Uh, success or failure. We'll explain that after 8.30. Yeah, you, you see the like it's like a, a a what waning crescent, right? Yes. So Looks pretty pretty sharp. Well, I'll tell you why a waxing crescent is important All on right. Sunday. Okay. And uh, before we leave you after eight fifty, we have a uh, a lawsuit against McDonald's because a man with a severe dairy allergy claims that he had cheese on his Big Mac. Hmm. We'll get to all that. Okay. A lot uh, to get to today. Yes. On Hump Day. How are you on a Wednesday? Uh, good. Um, you know, a, a little off this morning. So I, I shower in the evenings yeah. right, at night before bed. I passed out, the, put the, the kid to bed last night, and I'll, I'll lay in bed until he's, I know I can move until, you know, he's fully asleep. Next thing I knew, it was like 1.30 in the morning. And uh, so I showered Oops. this morning. So at... Uh, Feel feel rejuvenated this morning. We'll see how long this lasts. <laughs> but uh, no, things are good. Things are good in Bloomington, at least for a day yeah, or two, maybe. But uh, no, looking forward to today's show and, and some warmth, too. 50s the next two, three days. So mm-hmm. uh, enjoy it while it lasts. The uh, first fall spring. Yes, yes. Definitely a fall spring because it'll get cold and we'll, we'll have plenty of snow still that'll come our way. But enjoy this. Over the next couple of days, especially with the sun out. Absolutely. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. As someone already uh, texting us, go Flyers. Big W yesterday. Yeah, they took down St. Joseph's last night in a blowout win. So the Flyers looking good for probably a top five, maybe even top four seed at the moment. Dayton with a big win last night. Uh, also, don't forget, you can always listen via the Stream at 1380thefan.com. That's free. The free 1380thefan mobile app. You can download that on your phone or on your smart speaker. All right. Let's let's dive into headlines. Let's dive into headlines. Also, it, yeah. uh, real quick, uh, Carolina going down at home. Yes. Last night against yes. Clemson. 
Yeah, UNC, get, um, th- they've lost two out of their last three against Clemson. Ooh. So Interesting. I-, I would say Clemson is now a lock for the tournament. Uh, I would say so. I think that's, uh, that's, that's a big win for them. So it was a fun night of college basketball last night all around. Absolutely. All right, what do we got in headlines? Uh, so we start in the NFL, as always, and <laughs> we have this story. Anonymous NFL GM says Mike Vrabel's physical build may be a reason he wasn't hired as a head coach. That, according to report, not a joke. Really? Yeah. So he's not <laughs> fat and, and that, or is no? He, it's that he's like too imposing. That's what I'm saying. He's not uh, cute and cuddly. He's too imposing, apparently. Well, I mean, he's a former NFL linebacker. Well, I know, but what do you expect? Uh, okay. Uh, th- so this was at a report. Uh, a report by Diana Rossini now with the Athletic. And she said she laughed at the comment, but the GM said it could be a real thing. Went on to say, I've been in rooms and somebody's physical presence can make a difference. Uh, okay. This it is sounds just like uh, a GM not comfortable in his, his own yeah. skin, I guess. Also, I easy to say when it's anonymous, which I it, it, always hate that kind of weird. Stuff. I guess if people are talking about you and the thing they're saying that's bad about you is that you're too built, I guess there's worse things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> Uh, just just absurd. Jim Harbaugh continues to fill out his staff. No surprise, but uh, Jesse Mender, who uh, Minter, who was the defensive coordinator for uh, Michigan, going out to L.A. with the Chargers. Also, Mike Elston, who was with Notre Dame for quite some time, 2010 and 2021, then joined Michigan staff. He is also going out to L.A. to be the defensive line coach. Uh, and they're eyeing Greg Roman for offensive coordinator. Hmm. Uh, question. Yeah. The NFL game is not like the college game. Is there uh, a risk in bringing in too many Michigan coaches to coach in the NFL? Um, Does Jesse Minter have any NFL coaching experience? And all of a sudden he's running a defense in the NFL. That is a great question. I don't believe that he does. Looking at his resume... Uh, he was with the Ravens okay, for so he's a, a, like D- two years as a defensive a assistant and then assistant DB coach. I, I so I, I guess I I guess that's I don't know. Kind of um I don't know. We'll see how it works out for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, it, I mean Greg Roman, that's a guy who he's was with in San Francisco before. So yeah, yeah. He's got plenty of experience really with Baltimore, of a course. Surprise all that, so. Either. Um they were at Stanford, obviously, then with the Niners. Um, they had success previously, and then he was the OC for the Ravens, 2019 to 2022. But no, it's it's a good question, and we will see how it plays out. Because Arba's hand-selecting his staff, as any coach does, right? And it's always more about relationships than qualifications when it comes to coaching and who they're bringing on staff. That's just the reality. So we'll see if those relationships are also talented enough the ones without a lot of NFL experience or any NFL experience. Cool to see Mike Elston, though, get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. A guy that coached, of course, at Notre Dame for a time as well. So uh, pretty cool that he'll be coaching uh, in the NFL after a long, long career, uh, coaching career in uh, college football with uh, with Brian Kelly you know, at Cincinnati and then at Notre Dame, of course, before being at Michigan in the last two years. Good news, Jim Ursay. Tweeting, saying he was on the mend, grateful for all the messages of love and support. So he tweeted, last night, this is positive news, the 64-year-old Colts owner 
I'd been recovering from what the Colts described as a severe respiratory illness for a while. Uh, that statement was, was released by the Colts back on January 9th. Of course, there was the arrest in, or, or not the arrest, the cardiac arrest yeah. in early December uh, as well after a potential drug overdose. So um, this is good news. There are a lot of rumors out there. Some of them were pretty dire. So this is very positive to see. Yeah, I mean, a tweet isn't as much as a public appearance or anything, so take it with a, a grain of salt, but uh, good to see that hopefully uh, Jim Mercer is on the men getting some help, all that stuff, and uh, hopefully we'll see him making crazy comments about the Colts and the NFL <laughs> in person very soon. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Major League Baseball, a couple of big deals uh, going down yesterday. Clayton Kershaw returning to L.A., uh, according to reports. Uh, so he agrees on a return to the Dodgers. So L.A. has just st- stupid talent. Yeah, why not just add another one? Now, he's having uh, – he had off-season shoulder surgery, mm-hmm. so not expected to be back until the summer, but that would be quite the boost for the Dodgers when he does come back over the stretch run if he can uh, pitch uh, as well as uh, he has – the last several seasons and most of his career for that matter last year had an ERA of 2.46 and 24 starts. So he's still looking pretty good uh, at his age of 35. And if he can come back and be as effective or at close, it will be just a, another boost to what the Dodgers are basically trying to buy a world series. And we'll see if it works out for him. And some of their competition also, Reaching an agreement, Jose Altuve, everyone's least favorite Major League Baseball player, (laughs) unless you're a Houston fan, of course, uh, has agreed on a five-year extension, $125 million with the Astros, so he's locked in. 33 years old, uh, he was heading into his final season before free agency, so this deal begins in 2025, takes him through 2029. Uh, Yeah, congrats to the Astros. Uh, Altuve still is awful. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Still don't like him. No. Also, Never gonna like him. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. gets a huge 11-year contract extension from the Royals. Deal is worth at least $288 million. It is by far the largest contract in franchise history. So the Royals locking up a player that they feel can be a cornerstone of their franchise for the next decade plus. These big deals, these long deals with small market teams just never seem to work out, but we'll see if it uh, if it's advantageous for the Royals over the next 11 years for shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. A uh, couple of NBA notes uh, with the dunk contest and things are getting more and more finalized for the dunk contest. The likely participants, Mac McClung, big okay. name uh, as far as dunkers go, Jalen Brown, Jaime Jaquez Jr., former UCLA star. Not Obi Toppin, but his brother, Jacob Toppin, who plays for the Knicks. Okay. So that is a look at the list. Also, Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, and Benedict Matherin are going to team up for the NBA Skills Challenge at All-Star Weekend. Hmm. Have you been surprised at the NBA in terms of the lack of moves? This is trade deadline week. Yeah, I mean, the deadline day is tomorrow. We'll see craziness tomorrow. You think so? It, it's all Maybe some today day. or, or Maybe you think it's some all tomorrow? Maybe some small stuff today, all right. but I would expect big moves tomorrow. We'll talk more about the uh, trade deadline mm-hmm. with the Pacers coming up later in the yeah. show. Coming up uh, hour number two. Also, uh, probably look at it again tomorrow and see if there's anything the Pacers could make. Also, a couple of quick Colts hires. 
Colts hiring Justin Hamilton, new assistant DB's coach. Uh, he was a defensive quality control coach for the Titans last season. He'll replace Mike Mitchell. Also, the Colts are hiring former Eagles quarterback coach Alex Tanney. He will serve as the pass game coordinator and reuniting with Shane Steichen. Couple uh, hires for the Colts that uh, kind of on the peripheral, but are are no less important than some of the bigger jobs. And uh, I talked about the Pacers and that trio and the skills challenge. The Pacers playing Houston last night. They get the win, one thirty two to one twenty nine. Held on at the end of this game. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton playing in all four quarters. In fact, twenty nine minutes. So they're oh, ramping him back up finally. It yes, that's the most it's been since he's come back. Uh, 29 for Pascal Siakam, 21 for Miles Turner. Uh, Halliburton had 18.7 uh, assists. So the Pacers get a win. Uh, now 29 and 23 on the season. They have 30 games remaining now. Played 52, 30 games left. The Pacers sitting just above that play in uh, round uh, portion of the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Currently the sixth seed, a game and a half above both Miami and Orlando. And some winnable games before the All-Star break. Four games before the break. They host the Warriors coming up Thursday night. We'll have the game right here on 1380 The Fan. They have the Knicks on Saturday night on the road. Knicks, a a good team. It's a team the Pacers, I mean, these are the teams you got to beat, right? If you want to do anything in the postseason. Right. At Charlotte coming up on Monday. uh, And then at the Raptors on Wednesday, and then they're off to the All-Star break. We'll see if the Pacers can close strong coming up. You take uh, three out of four, I think you feel pretty good. Yeah, I think you feel pretty good, especially getting a on-the-men Tyrese Halliburton, hopefully. You think it would be better for Tyrese Halliburton to sit out All-Star weekend? I mean, I know he's not going to, but... I I see your point, but the reality is... I mean, he has to be on the court. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know, still working back from from his injury. He could use the time off, but no, he'll be at an All-Star weekend. Did you see this uh, bowling? The no. U.S. Open, 2024 U.S. Open bowling tournament at the Royal Pin Woodland in yep. Indianapolis. Bowled there growing up. Okay. So this happened on February 1st. It was the U.S. Open tournament. A professional bowler, Brandon Novak, 35 years old native of Chillicothe, Ohio, was arrested in the middle of his frame at the Royal Pin Woodland for an active arrest warrant out of Ross County, Ohio, which, where which Chillicothe is, yeah, is at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when authorities took Novak into custody last Thursday, he was in the seventh frame of his second game of the tournament. YouTube video appears to show the moment Novak was arrested. He's out of the frame, but several other bowlers turned their heads toward his lane during the action. He had uh, the assistant prosecuting attorney for Ross County said that Novak has been charged as part of a secret indictment. The charges will not be revealed until he is extradited to Chillicothe, but there's no timeline on when that will happen. So uh, despite his arrest, he still had a high enough score to finish 36th and win $1,500 in prize money. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to need that prize money <laughs> to pay for legal yes. fees. So he's been bowling professionally since 2009, has won a couple titles, collected just over $93,000 in prize money over that time. So uh, interesting. Uh, in the middle of his frame in Indianapolis during the U.S. Open bowling event, was yeah, taken now, into custody. Woodland Bowl hosts the 
U.S. Open pretty frequently. I, I want to say it's like every year. Uh, it's a great bowling alley. I was going to say, massive. Classiest, classy establishment? Um, I mean, it doesn't have like a lot of bells and whistles like some of the like kids entertainment, you know, type right, centers. Right. But as far as a classic things. bowling alley, this is uh, it's probably the nicest one I've been to. How many lanes? Oh, probably over 50. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's huge. Yeah, so like, that's where I bowled growing up uh, and it's fun. And there are many times. Well, somebody got arrested there in the middle of his frame. Yep. During a PBA tour event. <laughs> That's, That's wild. Fun. Yeah. A couple other quick notes and we move on to IU Ohio State. The Blackhawks are hosting the 2025 Winter Classic at Wrigley Field. They'll um, face the Blues. Saw this yesterday. Ten years ago, I would have gotten excited about this. The Hawks yep. have already played at Wrigley. Why um, don't they do a game at, at Notre Dame Stadium? That, they, w- that would seem to generate more excitement. They have, have haven't they? I don't think they have. I thought they had Winter Classic at Notre Dame. I think they have. The 2019 Winter Classic was held oh, at Notre Dame. Okay, okay. Yes, with the Blackhawks. <laughs> that, like, that to me is more of a buzzworthy event. But it's like they've already played it. They've Wrigley. already done that. They've already played at Notre Dame Stadium. I, I don't know. I, I feel like the Winter Classic novelty has worn off. Uh, I, but that's me. So I actually had a buddy ask me yesterday, oh, are you interested in going? He's, he, he knows Chicago very well, has, has lived there. And I was like, no, no, I just, no, I don't really care. And the first thing I think of is I freeze my ass off outside to watch yeah. hockey at Wrigley. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know about that. First time, maybe, but I don't know. The, winter the novelty is, of the Winter Classic has worn off. Yes, very much so. Absolutely. So, yeah, I saw that yesterday. It's cool, but it's already been done before. I think this is going to be the fourth time the Blackhawks have hosted, maybe the third, the Winter Classic. Eh, you know, it's kind of past its, uh, past its shelf life for me. Meanwhile, the Columbus Blue Jackets will host an outdoor hockey game at Ohio Stadium in March 2025, part of the stadium series for the NHL. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, why are we doing a stadium series that waters it down? If you mm-hmm. did one game a year... That would help maybe keep the novelty going, but we play multiple games a year in the NHL outside. So, eh, whatever. Quick roster move. Uh, we'll get to with the Comets. Uh, alternate captain Matthew Wedman back from a stint with the Henderson Silver Knights. So he is back with the K's. Uh, text coming in. Is there yeah. been a time when another professional athlete has been arrested mid-game? Nothing that comes to mind. Yeah, not that I know of. Someone I- else saying we need to talk more bowling. EJ Tackett from here, one of the best bowlers in the world. Hey, we've actually tried to get him on. So, <laughs> yeah, no, EJ from Huntington uh, has been. A, he was a phenomenal bowler at Huntington North, and then went pro. And uh, yes, this one is fair amount of of championships in the PBA. So uh, for sure, would love to have EJ on and talk some bowling, and maybe have this guy that got arrested in the middle of the uh, <laughs> U.S. Open in Indianapolis on. We can find out what the hell that secret indictment's all about. <laughs> yeah. That is wild. But yeah, open invitation for EJ Tackett to come on. We've we've tried, I think, two different times um, to, to get him on. But uh, uh, for whatever reason, no progress. I mean, so. come on. We know bowling here. We're not a couple <laughs> of schlubs. We could ask some intelligent questions. I, I don't know. I could. I don't know if I could ask that intelligent of questions with bowling. Oh, come but up with something. Yeah, it's. I mean, I bowled enough to know something. I'm now, not can completely you, clueless. Are you a regular, like, straight line bowler? Can yes. you hook it? No, can, I can't hook okay, it. Okay, you don't... Do you have your hand, your fingers actually in the ball? You're not, like, just holding it? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't but have I any, don't use... I don't have any tricks of the trade. I don't... I don't believe I... 
there's there's something weird that I I, I use my like middle two fingers. Yeah, me too. I, I just yep. feel like I can steady it better. Uh, yeah. I don't use my index finger, so. Yeah, me uh, neither. But I I have to bullet straight. I yeah, am the world's best worst or worst best bowler <laughs> because I can get a turkey if I bowl like three, four, five games. Really? But the score is still not going to touch 200. Oh, no. If I can get 150, it's been a hell of a game for me. But the thing is, I get diminishing returns. Like my first game, it'll be like 142 and I'm like, all right. And then it's like downhill from I, there. It I build no up sense. and then it's a downfall. Yeah. Mine is like, I won't bowl for nine months to a year. I come out and bowl like a 151. And then the next game is like a 98. I don't understand it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I don't understand what we uh, saw. That's from true. Indiana Great last segue. Night. That was the perfect segue. What is going on? Uh, this was a disaster of a first half. You had Khalil Ware pick up his second foul about nine minutes to play. And he goes to the bench. Of course, the game gets away from Indiana. I think Ohio State immediately went on a 9-0 run after that. IU found themselves by double digits. They're down 13 at the half. They trailed in this one by as much as 18. And this was all but over. I mean, this this game was effectively over. Um, IU got off to a great start in this game. Uh, Alley-oop dunk to Khalil Ware to start. And then it, it felt like it was all downhill after that in the first half. And even in the second half. But the game did change. And it changed when Roddy Gale Jr. picked up his fourth foul uh, that seemed to be a point in time for the Hoosiers that changed the outlook and everything that was happening in this game because IU was down double digits at the time, and then they quickly chipped away at that Ohio State lead. So that was that was a huge moment, and IU took advantage of it. And, I mean, there are a lot of players who made plays. Trey Galloway, I mean, perhaps his best game as a Hoosier last night. Anthony Leo, we said we thought maybe he was one and done, but scores the last five points, including the game-winning three, the go-ahead three, uh, with about, what, 22 seconds to go, and then the yeah. turnover, and then clinched it with a couple f- uh, free throws. Um, there was a lot to like out of Indiana. It was almost the opposite. We're used to Indiana getting off to those fast starts. You mentioned the fast start, but you know, down double digits at halftime, and you say, well, that's it. But it's a team that we talked about yesterday has been a first-half team was a second-half team last night. And I think maybe the most impressive thing to me for Indiana last night was that defense in the second half. Holding Ohio State to just eight made field goals in the second half. Um, It was very unnatural watching an Indiana team that was down by that much play with such energy in the second half. Because you messaged me in the first half, you said, this team's quit on the season. That's what it looked like. I I mean... Uh, at halftime, game on Peacock and Jordan Cornette, uh, which I must say, outside of the one of the play-by-play choices, the coverage that Peacock has, I think they do an excellent job, whether it's uh, people at the arena or in studio. Uh, I, I will say I am impressed. And Jordan Cornette just absolutely lit into Indiana at halftime, and rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, he, he said, this film uh, that they watch is absolutely embarrassing, I mean, this is a team that is quit. There's no effort. He said, this is a film session for Indiana. It would be nightmarish. You can't watch that and see a team that looks like they care about winning. And that was true. Yes. The first half was an absolute joke in terms of effort, energy. It was Renew was the only one that seemed to be playing hard. Yeah. 
there were weird lineups. A lot of people mentioning this. You had a Gabe Cup, CJ Gunn, Anthony Leal, Malik Radu, Peyton Sparks lineup. Like what? What? Oy, <laughs> and I get that Ware had foul trouble, but what was that? That's that's Renew going. What, what the hell are you doing to me? I'm out here with yeah. four guys that can't put the ball in the bucket. Yeah. So the first half was absolutely atrocious, but the second half, again, I mentioned the key part, and they harped on this on the broadcast. Seven minutes to go. Roddy Gale Jr. picks up his fourth foul. IU at the time was down uh, 12 points in that moment. 65-53. Galloway made a couple free throws, and then they, and then he hit to three. And then the other thing is they were hitting free throws uh, down the stretch as well. That was helpful. And, and Trey Galloway made play after play after play. Got it to one with another three. Obviously, Leal hit the, the big one to give IU the lead with under a minute to go, and then they sealed this game. So this is the kind of performance in the second half, mind you. When we talk about Indiana and their second half scoring margin, well, they just got a huge boost. They went from plus one in Big Ten play to plus 17 uh, with outscoring Ohio State by 16 in the second half last night. This is the kind of game. Lick Renew was absolutely amazing. 26-14, and 14, Trey Galloway with 25 Anthony Leal with six points, six rebounds, only hit one shot, but again, it was that huge three. And this is something you can build on. Now, on the other side of this, though, it's it's not all rainbows, puppies, and sunshine Why not? for Indiana because Ohio State's not a good basketball team. Well, yeah, but Indiana's not a good basketball no. team either. But here's the thing. They're, they're tied with Michigan State in the conference standings, and they're a half game out of... The sixth seed in the Big Ten tournament, which would give them a, a, a buy. So yeah, they wouldn't have to play till Thursday, Thursday right? Yeah. So, so there, there is, there's a lot at stake down the stretch in terms of of seeding and how that works out. Ohio State. I mean, Chris Holtman's getting fired after this season. That performance last night at home. There is no coming back from that. The second time this year that Ohio State has lost a game in which they were up 18 points. Lost in early December at Penn State when they were up 18. This is a game yesterday that just a minute into the second half, Ohio State was up 47 to 29. Even with just over 10 minutes to go, Ohio State was up 13. Dale Bonner hit a three to push Ohio State's lead to 60 to 47. Yet Ohio State just hit two field goals the rest of the game and just completely fell apart. And we have to give credit to Indiana for sure, for making this happen. Partly have to, though, look at Ohio State as just an absolute dumpster fire. But I think this is as good. It's only the second road win for Indiana in the Big Ten. The other being Michigan. So that's something. It's a game that yesterday we all expected them to lose after the debacle at home to Penn State. So we'll give credit where credit is due. And an Indiana team that looked at halftime left for dead, as you mentioned. Just a team that was just embarrassingly bad in the first half. And I would imagine that was the message in the in the locker room at halftime. And Indiana responded accordingly. Is this a um, a key moment in the turnaround for Indiana basketball? I'm, I don't think we're saying that. But it is shows that Indiana still has some fight in them, albeit against a mediocre basketball team. And, at least for now, because it's not going to last... IU picks up their first quad one win of the season. Hey, how about that? 
Again, not Pat, going to Alaska. that resume. Ohio State's going to drop out. But IU getting a, 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 a decent Big Ten road win certainly helpful in trying to do anything beyond the Big Ten tournament, which, again, they have a lot of work to do. And, of course, Purdue on the road at Mackey coming up on Saturday night is the next one on the schedule. Yeah, on national television, too. So that'll be fun. But uh, good win for Indiana. I mean, without looking ahead and looking back and, and just taking this game as a, a singular data point, it's a good win for Indiana. And, and we've said it, anytime you go on the road and get a win in the Big Ten is good. Indiana's struggled to do that since they beat Michigan before Christmas. And it's just a good win for Indiana. Can they build on it? Well, that's, that's the million-dollar question now, isn't it? Do you leave this game being more impressed with Indiana, more shocked at Ohio State falling apart, or is it kind of even? I think I'm more impressed with Indiana because of the how bad the first half was. And this is traditionally not a good second-half basketball team. And for them to, I think, really be challenged at halftime, uh, assuredly by Mike Woodson and, and and just finding a way to at least come out with some energy and then feeding off it and, and erasing a big deficit. I'm more impressed with Indiana. I'm sure if you ask people in Columbus this morning, they're saying they're more embarrassed for the Ohio State Buckeyes or, or disappointed in Ohio State. But for me, no, I'm impressed with Indiana because I didn't think this team was capable of doing what they did last night, falling down by 18 on the road down double digits, 10 and a half to go and finding it a way to win the game. I didn't think Indiana was capable of doing that and they proved it. Then again, it's also a team I didn't think were capable of losing by double digits at home to Penn State. So you never know <laughs> what you're going to get from this Hoosiers team from one night to the next. That is true. 46862. If you have thoughts on the text line, let us know. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message if you want to comment on the Hoosiers. Coming up on the other side, a massive shift in how we watch sports on TV is coming this fall. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hollow Notes here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Couple of texts rolling in at 46862. Uh, one saying, I'd say I'm more impressed with the Indiana win. We're used to seeing double digit leads blown, so nothing new there. That is true. Indiana actually came out in the second half after. Trailing, again, rallying from an 18-point deficit in the win last night in Columbus. Someone else asking, uh, CKQ, imagine what the Columbus version of Caleb McKinney is like this morning. Um, yeah, it's not that hard. They're ripping Chris Holtman, who is <laughs> certainly getting fired after the season. I think it's called Kenny and Caleb over in <laughs> yeah, probably, Columbus. Probably the other way around. Yeah, so, yeah, I hear it's an interesting morning over yeah. there. Don't have to worry about that here. Definitely feels like the nail in the coffin last night for Chris Holtman. That was it. And again, if you caught any of the game and you caught any of the crowd shots, you noticed there was no one in the upper deck and the crowd in the lower deck was probably half full. So pretty sparse atmosphere, pretty dead atmosphere in Indiana. Certainly take advantage of it and not going to have that coming up on Saturday night. No, nope, won't be a shortage of energy at Mackey. That's for sure. So a huge story came down yesterday as it pertains on how we watch sports on television. ESPN, Warner Brothers Discovery, which you would know as like TNT and TBS, 
uh, some of their properties, and Fox are all teaming up to change sports on TV. They're going to offer a sports streaming service that will include a ton of sports channels. The joint venture is coming this fall. Now, I haven't seen any details released yet as far as a price point. That's obviously the biggest question in all of this. But if you go through all of the different properties available on this, I mean, it is a massive, massive list. Uh, All your ESPN properties, TBS, TNT, Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, Big Ten Network. Uh, The list goes on and on and on. And and, I mean, even like TNT, TBS, True TV, so for the NCAA tournament. Uh, ABC and Fox as well, which of course you can get on antenna for free with an antenna. But I mean, this includes everything. ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, SEC Network, ACC Network, ESPN News, which I'm surprised still exists. ABC, Fox, FS1, FS2, Big Ten Network, TNT, TBS, True TV. All of it. Plus, they're going to offer this to customers who already have Max, ESPN Plus, or Hulu. Essentially, what we're seeing here is these three entities have teamed up, and coming this fall, if you're a sport on one of those channels, you're going to have an advantage in terms of people watching your sport moving forward. So the CBS and their networks and NBC and their networks you're short on luck because right. this, this is a huge shift. So this includes the NFL, not all the games, obviously, but a lot of NFL games, the FIFA World Cup, NBA, NHL, NASCAR, WNBA, UFC, PGA Tour, tennis majors, college sports. I mean, think about this. The SEC, is this the lifeline that kind of helps them because they they were only on ESPN as far as their primary partner? Yes, there will be games on ABC, but is this something that can kind of help them with that TV deal moving forward. Well, and here's the thing. So to understand this, it's not just, so you get these channels all the time. So let's say TNT, TBS, you don't just get it when there's sports on, you get it all the time. So you're basically getting a bundle of stations that carry the majority of live sports in this country. And it's something that, that and me personally, and, and I was even thinking about it yesterday as um, the TV was on, and it was like, I, 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 the only reason why I have any type of cable service, which I have Hulu TV, is because of live sports. So if I can do, add this to my bundle that I have ESPN plus Hulu Max now, then it makes just sense, a lot of sense to just add this. Cancel my existing Hulu TV and just get this, which will be an app that it will come in in fall of 2024. So if you're looking for an out in terms of your cable, and if you have uh, Comcast or Xfinity or Dish or whatever, DirecTV, and you're like, the only reason I have this is because of live sports, coming in the fall, you will have a, a package you can get where you just get the stations that have the majority of sports on them. So I have YouTube TV. This would essentially make YouTube TV for, for me as a customer, assuming this app would have DVR capability. And that's, that's, that's the, the one thing, thing that is yeah. huge and unlimited DVR capability. That's the only thing that YouTube TV and the price point, because that you can split that with, you know, different accounts. Uh, that's the only reason I have that to begin with is to watch sports. So 
This would uh, would effectively make it if if your sport is not on this platform. Oof, good luck because I think outside of you know the the TV networks, which CBS and NBC not included on this. Otherwise, though, it's it's going to be tough. And for the NBA and NHL and MLB having regional sports networks, is this the death knell for regional sports networks moving forward? As far as yeah, they may finish out their deals, but they're already dealing with bankruptcy now. How's this going to help? It's certainly not going to help them get more subscribers or pay bills, uh, especially when you have to. It's a pay tier for the majority of of uh, cable outlets out there to get those uh, RSNs anyways. But this is going to be huge for a lot of people that like you and I, when we look at it and say, the only reason why we have uh, Hulu TV or YouTube TV is for those live sports. And now there will be a specific package, specific app you can get to get all that. And you get the, the, the networks 24, seven, 365. So if, uh, if, you know, you can watch reruns of Big Bang Theory on TBS in addition to getting baseball games in the summer. And hockey like games as well. Yes. So I think it's a big it's a big deal. It's a big step forward. It, it For some, it's like, oh, great, just another app or whatever, another stream that we have to worry about. But for a lot of people, it's something that we've looked at and said, if this ever came about, we wouldn't have a cable uh, plan altogether. Well, and, and streaming costs for these streaming apps have gone up exponentially. I mean, YouTube TV five years ago was probably like fifty fifty five dollars a month. I think. I mean, now it's I think over seventy five a month. So yeah, I mean, the price YouTube, keeps going up. Hulu TV went up. I think it's like eighty now. So you're creeping up back into territory where you were like, why am I paying for cable or why am I paying for satellite? It's going up, up, up. So. If the price point here, we're, we both kind of consider like, what would you think, like a $50 a month? Anywhere from fee? 30 to $50. I, I probably wouldn't want to pay over 50 uh, A yeah. couple of texts uh, on this. <laughs> this what's funny. Uh, CK, what about the Longhorn Network? Not mentioned in the, re- in the release. That is still is the owned. Longhorn Network still yes, a thing? Yes, I it looked is? it up. I, I thought it went away. It is still a thing. Huh. Uh, someone else saying uh, at 46862, CK, they need to include marquee sports. That's, well, that's a watch Cubs. Well, th- this is where it comes in with regional sports networks, right? right? Bally sports, marquee sports, all the different NBC, you know, city affiliates. Like this is where it's an issue. And if you're not included in this and they're not going to be, if your sports not on this platform again, good luck. Cause I think th- this is, this is what sports fans I think have been craving for. And the fact that they figured this out and it's going to launch so quickly says a lot about the the future of streaming and the networks, again, trying to take it back from the Hulu TVs and the YouTube TVs and, and DirecTV and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's going to be a, a huge, huge deal uh, for people like us. And, and yeah, it's not going to be all-encompassing when you talk about marquee sports and stuff like that, but it is going to provide you with the majority of of what you want to watch in terms of sports. Get rid of everything else. Uh, another text at 46862. CK, I'll pay for the streaming service for sure. Hope they figure out a way to show regional baseball games. Well, unless it's going to be on a local channel, I just don't think that's Yeah, be but I think it. the model is going to change too with regional sports networks yes. very soon. Well, I mean, so. we're, we're seeing that with the NBA and NHL 
and MLB with due to the issues with Bally and, and Diamond Sports Group. We're seeing that change, but the problem is not all the teams are changing. Correct. Just a select few. But could this be the thing that forces them to change quicker than they anticipated? We shall see. Yes. I, I think more of the, the, the bigger change for our sins will come when the, when the money runs out. Coming, teams are changing. For sure. Coming up on the other side, a judge keeps the NCAA's NIL restrictions for now. What's next as multiple states are suing the NCAA? We'll get to that on the other side. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Uh, we talked about the Warner Brothers Discovery, ESPN, and Fox app that is coming this fall and someone texting us at 46862 an employee of my local cable company told me that coming this spring all television viewing will be going to a channel by channel a la carte format instead of channel packages so it's not just sports doing this yeah here's the thing the a la carte aspect is what people liked about streaming early on and then yes you were forced to bundle everything together and it became the same thing as cable and in fact just as or more expensive and then it was like, this kind of defeats the purpose. Which is kind of the trend we're going if you want multiple streaming services, you know, because you're, if you want to watch this, you have to get this streaming service and, and all this. And eventually you start adding it up and probably the end, you're like, well, I'm spending about as much as I would on cable service. But uh, a lot of these streaming services are, are losing a ton of money. So right. I think that's why they're bundling because they can't make money on their own. Yes, absolutely. But um, for sports fans, the development of this uh, this bundle is going to be huge. Yes, absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, in the NCAA, another day, another legality-led story. And a judge is keeping the NCAA's NIL restrictions in place for now, uh, saying that NIL can't be used as a recruiting inducement, which denies the request <laughs> by the states of Tennessee and Virginia, the Attorneys General of those states filed a federal antitrust lawsuit last week. High schools recruits, uh, the signing period actually starts today, so interesting ruling that this came down yesterday. And for Tennessee, I mean, this is, this goes back to their investigation, and look, if if you follow recruiting, the way they got Nico Iamaleva was pretty simple. It was NIL money as an inducement in recruiting. Like they've yes. I, they've never denied that, and he's their incoming star quarterback who started the bowl game will be the starter this upcoming season. But this is just the reality. So what's next? There's a preliminary injunction hearing set for February 13th, so that's Tuesday of next week. And remember, the NCAA had pretty vague rules on what could and couldn't be done with NIL early on. So Tennessee and a lot of other schools took advantage. I mean, think about Texas A&M and all the money they threw to get a record recruiting class. And then the NCAA walks back and says, oh, wait, no, that's not what we meant for how this would work. Right. So basically what this is happening is Tennessee and Virginia are claiming that the NCAA violated antitrust laws by denying athletes their ability to earn full NIL compensation. This is the NCAA trying to somewhat control NIL, but kind of in the wrong ways, like still trying to limit the amount of money that the kids can get, which I think is the wrong approach. I think if the kids can make it, this is capitalism. If you can make money, you should make money. If somebody's willing to give you money for whatever, it's your right to say yes or no. And that's kind of what Tennessee and Virginia 
are saying, and the NCAA is 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 trying to uh, kind of keep this under control somewhat. So uh, we'll see what happens in the end. It's a wild, wild west out there when it comes to NIL. I think there are rules that can be put in place that don't impact what athletes can make. I think that should be open-ending. If someone wants to pay you $3 million to go here or this, that, and the other under the current NIL system, that's their right. As long as it's through quote unquote legal channels, right? Yeah. It has to be through a, the collective of some sort. Yeah. So that's kind of my thing. Um, and the NCAA with the judge and the NCAA, it's, um, they, they kind of see it a different way. So we'll see how this, this works out as it goes forward. The battle is certainly not over. Uh, one other note I want to get to. This is really funny. Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman uh, had an interesting comment on the Oakland A's moving to Las Vegas. Which we thought all was all a near certainty. Yeah. She said uh, on a podcast the other day, Front Office Sports Today uh, podcast, it was released yesterday. I personally think the A's have got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland to make their dream come true. This is saying the team stadium plan does not make sense and that the A's should stay in Oakland where they have a fan base, basically. <laughs> well, basically, the Walk A's... that back, of course, after the podcast came out and people got a hold of well, these comments. What the, what the mayor is, is mad about is the A's... So the Las Vegas offered a site in the historic part of Las Vegas. Uh, it said it featured seven access points from local highways, but the a the Oakland Brain Trust is 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 really looking at the strip. Like they want to be on the strip. They want to be at New Vegas, basically. Well, then you know? buy the land yourself. But so the mayor is kind of um, already looking at the traffic congestion on the strip and how that's impacted things. And now, and this is the thing, is when you have, okay, you have the Raiders playing down or on the strip, but you're playing eight to nine home games, right? All of a sudden, if you have a baseball t- stadium on the strip, you're playing 81 home games. And if you're getting even, let's say, twenty to 25,000 per game, that's a hell of a lot of extra people on the strip. That's already a congestion nightmare. So that's basically what the mayor was saying. Uh, but walked walked it back as you mentioned. But it just sounds like uh, in a perfect world for the mayor of Vegas, the Oakland A's wouldn't be trying to move to her city. Oakland again, they'll be in the Coliseum this upcoming season, and then as of right now, they're homeless. <laughs> yeah, after next they're, season, they're they're looking at AAA affiliates uh, to play their games in for the foreseeable future till a stadium gets built. It's a it's a franchise that uh, they're getting what they deserve. Yeah, uh, to a certain extent, for sure. I I do think that a certain amount of of blame goes on the city of Oakland, in my opinion, in terms of I I get it. You sometimes have to appease uh, dumbass owners to keep your teams, and we see it all the time in professional sports. Oakland decided not to, and it's not just an Oakland A's thing. They lost Golden State. And they lost the Raiders the the first time, so um, it's 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 uh, even balance. I think of blame. Everybody like loves to pick on the ownership of the Oakland A's for good reason, but I think the city of Oakland had been bums about this too. But now, uh, I have been, uh, they'll land in Vegas, 
but I, they may not get their stadium built where they want it, and I perfectly understand why. Coming up on the other side, we'll kick off hour number two. IU gets a big road win. Now what? Well, they're at Purdue next. And for Indiana, what is there to say about Mike Woodson moving forward? One element we haven't talked about. That's on the other side. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you coming up this hour on the show. IU gets a Big Ten road win. Now what? Well, the Hoosiers are at Purdue. And one angle on Mike Woodson's future we have not discussed. We'll get to that here shortly. Plus, it's the day before the NBA trade deadline. Will the Pacers make a move? A look at one of the targets out there and why they'd be a great fit in Indiana, but also why the Pacers are unlikely to do anything about it. And the Super Bowl, you've all heard the home team and the records, right? You don't want to be wearing your your home uniform. Well, we'll give you a different angle. The Chiefs have the moon in the phase they want. (laughs) We'll explain this bizarre stat. It's going to blow you away after 8.30 as far as the Chiefs and the moon and how that plays into their success. <laughs> I don't know where I find this stuff. Uh, me neither. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. And before we leave you after 8.50, a man with a severe dairy allergy is suing McDonald's, uh, accusing them of putting cheese on his Big Mac. The nerve. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you the deets on that at the end of the show. Don't forget, you can always text us 46862 is the text line number. Send your thoughts. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. And if you missed anything in hour number one, talked about a, a big change in how we are going to watch sports on TV as ESPN and Warner Brothers Discovery, which includes platforms like TBS, TNT, True TV, and Fox are all teaming up for a joint venture and the streaming platform that will launch this fall. In fact, we have our uh, poll question of the day up on Twitter. How much are you willing to pay per month for this new platform? $20 or more, $30 or more, $40 or more, or $50 or more? You can vote in the poll. Uh, Caleb Kinney 1380 on Twitter slash X. Again, Caleb Kinney 1380 on Twitter slash X is where you go vote or let us know in the text line. I would pay $50 a month. For this that'd be about where i'm at it is that valuable to me i don't have to get a bunch of channels i don't care about on a different you know streaming or cable platform correct and you still have those stations to watch other things not just sports so it's a win-win yeah i i fully agree all right so indiana their biggest comeback in over 25 years getting a road win at ohio state last night It was a huge performance in the second half, certainly not in the first, as the IU team looked like they had quit, but IU hangs on for a 76-73 comeback win on the road last night. Obviously massive for Indiana and trying to salvage anything the rest of this season. Of course, they play at Purdue, at Mackey Arena, coming up on Saturday night on national TV. You can hear the Boiler broadcast here on 1380 The Fan, the IU broadcast on our sister station, WoWo 92.3 FM, again, 7 p.m. pregame and tip at 8 on both those platforms as well. But we've spent so much talk, and rightfully so, based on how IU has performed, on, well, Mike Woodson, IU's just going to ride it out, right? And 
they'll probably get fired if they fail to make the tournament this year. And if next year is the same as this year, that'll be it. But we haven't put any real talk into Woodson and does he step away? Because at what point does does he say this is just not working? I'm already, you know, what 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 is he like sixty seven years old? Like it's already like perhaps not worth it to him at some. He's sixty five. Uh, but at, at what point is it no longer worth it to him to keep doing this? He turns sixty six next month. No, I don't think what Mike Woodson's doing that. I don't think he's stepping down. Uh, I think some IU fans would like that to happen and you can move on from him, but I don't think Mike Woodson's going anywhere unless he's told to go somewhere. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, yeah, 65, but still a vibrant dude, has a lot of energy. It doesn't look 65, that's no. for sure. I'll give him that. He has the best goatee I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but no, I don't think he's going anywhere um, anytime soon, unless at the end of next season. Indiana's like, yeah, thanks. Uh, we're going to go in a different direction, which I think is is very likely. But can Indiana build off what happened last night heading into this weekend? I think that's the big question, because if there's anything we know about Indiana is you don't know what to expect from one game to the next. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Each game is a different data point, but for this Indiana team, there are so little trends beyond, well... They're just not going to play well on the road. Last night was an exception. And when it comes to the better teams in the Big Ten, which there are few, IU's not really been able to show anything in terms of you know, getting wins. Yeah, they are close against Illinois, but that was about the highlight of the season. And you, and you look at Woodson and his contract situation, IU once again, and we've harped on this before, but that $1 million raise seems silly. And you look at where things stand. He has four point two million that he makes per year. There are three years remaining on the contract. It's through twenty twenty seven. Uh, yeah, that million dollar raise back in August. His buyout before April first of twenty twenty five. So that would be after next, next season. season. Yep, hundred percent of the money left on the deal. <laughs> so you're still paying what upwards of over eight million dollars, nine million dollars, probably. Eight, nine million o- over, I mean, final. it's through 2027, so we're talking... Like, It'll be what, two like, years. Two years of four point two yeah, two yeah, million true. So, so I, I guess close to nine. Yeah, so 8.4. He's one of the three highest paid coaches of the Big Ten. Uh, what we saw last night was a great comeback by the players, but it, it doesn't feel like Mike Woodson is... It's not like he's doing anything different, right? It's not like there was some sudden change. I think the players just executed, and, and we saw them play hard enough finally in a game that they got down and, and had to come back in. Well, I'll give Mike Woodson credit. I, I think there was I'm sure a message sent at halftime that how they were playing yes. effort wise when I was unacceptable. So I'll give Mike Woodson credit last night in terms of being able to energize his team and have them actually come out and play hard in the second half. My big thing is just because it's happened once doesn't mean it's going to be the trend going forward. The fact that Indiana Won the recruiting or the rebounding battle last night, thirty-six to thirty. Okay, when Indiana played Ohio State the first time in January, Ohio State had a plus twenty-two rebounding margin. So all of a sudden, IU is able to out-rebound Ohio State in this game. Does that mean IU is all of a sudden going to start owning the boards against opponents? Absolutely not. It's just one data point, 
and maybe a frustrating one at that because we see what Indiana is potentially capable of, albeit against a mediocre opponent. But this is what the dichotomy of Indiana is. Last night we saw it both. First half where you look and 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 you told me it's it's a team that's given up. Like they're done. That's the what it looks like. The season is over. They've cashed it in. And then the second half they come together and play well and outscore Ohio State by 16 in the second half and win a game on the road for just the second time this season in the Big Ten. So which Indiana team is it now going forward? That That's the big thing is that's part of the inconsistency with Indiana is you just, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're going to see from a game to game. You, you mentioned the rotations, and I don't think Mike Woodson knows from game to game what the hell he's going to put together. And just because they were able to pull it off yesterday doesn't mean all of a sudden there's going to be some sort of resurgence for Indiana this season. And and I think reality then sets in once again on Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't think we're, we're going to see something carry over from the Ohio State game that's suddenly going to apply to Purdue unless this is a changed team, but I highly no, doubt that. I don't, one, we haven't seen yeah, enough. Not at all. One good half. It wasn't even a good game. It was one good half. And, and at that, it was about seven minutes of great play in that second half. Well, that's the thing. If you flip-flop them, if you flip-flop the halves, which we see Indiana traditionally do and play a really good first half and then lay an egg in the second half, it's the same narrative. It was just all Indiana did last night was flip the halves. They actually played really, really well in the second half when they traditionally don't. So that's it. I, I did, there's no you know groundbreaking thing that happened last night with Indiana. It was basically... They played their first half in the second half and their second half in the first half. Four six eight six two. your text line number again, 46862. And someone saying, I'm upset with Woodson as well, but you cannot uh, withhold any credit at all. The out-of-bounds play for the three was a great play. Fair? I mean, yeah. they, they did they did draw up good plays at the end. Um, too often, though, it seems like Plays out of timeouts or long delays, they, they, it's like a turnover or something silly. Like it's just this is not a good basketball team. That that is the that is the simplest way to put it into words for me. It's not a good basketball team. Last night was a win that kicked the can down the road of a season that's still not going to get to the goal, which is to make it to the NCAA tournament and do something there. And I think maybe that's the 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 greater greater point that we're trying to make is is this is where Indiana is at over the three years of Mike Woodson to where yeah they go on the road and beat a team that if Indiana played consistently to its potential should beat anyway okay and the fact that they were able to is nice and all but this isn't going on the road to Illinois and winning God knows it's not going on the road to Wisconsin and winning and it's not going on the road to Purdue and winning it's a team that if Indiana played to its talents, played to its potential, should have beat anyway. And that's kind of where we're at in the mindset is we're almost jaded because last night we're just, yeah, it was a good win, but it was just a mirage. Like what makes you think this is possible? This is in any way, shape or form going to carry into the Purdue game on Saturday night. IU, IU has just two double digit wins in Big Ten play. Ohio State is a team in complete freefall. Uh, Penn State at home, right? These are two games where Indiana should have been the better team and, and should have been winning by double digits. And I get it. You take every Big Ten road win you can get. 
but th- this is, I-, I think, part of a bigger trend is Mike Woodson teams don't blow anybody out, but they sure get blown out a lot. Yeah, you are usually the one that uh, I'm usually just hating on Indiana at all. I'm giving them a little bit more credit for, for last night. But my point is... I'm, sp- I'm supposed to just let slide that 33 minutes of the game, oh, yeah, they totally. were terrible. No, I get it. And, and that, In I said, the like, final you, seven minutes, they played well right. and rallied back to win. That's why I said if you flip the halves, we're talking about the same thing with Indiana, coming out to a hot start and then fading. But where I'm at with Indiana is not going to say that all of a sudden they found a way to beat Ohio State last night after trailing by 18 makes me think that anything is changing over the final eight games of the season, let alone going to Mackey on, on Saturday. Well, how, they, many, how many times do we have to say, well, there are a lot of winnable games there, but they don't win them. Uh, are there hypothetically winnable games there? Down because, the stretch, you, you get some of your t- outside of playing at Purdue, you get Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Michigan State all at home. You're at Minnesota. Minnesota's a team at the level of IU. You're at Maryland. Maryland team that is just below IU. And then you have, let's see, what's the other, obviously at Purdue. Um, and then at Penn State, which a Penn State program that is rising as the season goes on. My thing is, is, is Indiana's just in the in the muddle of, with everybody they're just, else. Yeah, they're I mean, with they're the just, muck, yeah, which is most the of the conference is absolute muck. You have Ohio State and Michigan who are in free fall. And then you have everybody else, and then you got about four or five teams that are good enough to do anything, that being Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin. Then after that, it's a drop-off. Look, IU 6-6. They are a half game out of fourth place, which is absurd because they're they're nowhere near anywhere close to the top half of the Big Ten. But they're tied with Michigan State in the standings. Text coming in, 46862, talking about Indiana this morning. An 18-point comeback is encouraging for a team that was a plus 206 underdog. Yes, I'm a Hoosier fan grasping for anything at this point. Fair. Also, CK, just a hypothetical here, but if they beat Purdue on Saturday, are they in the tournament? No, they're still not in the tournament. They're not even on the bubble if they beat Purdue. I think they're on the bubble if they beat Purdue. Uh-uh. They're not even close. A- at the moment. Now, they have one quad one win, which again was last night, and it won't be a quad one <laughs> very long. For very long. <laughs> we know that. But outside of that, I mean, they th- there aren't quality wins. Yeah, you swept Ohio State. Cool. And that's about it. Like, you, you didn't do anything in the non-conference. So, you beat Purdue on the road. Yes, I think they're on the bubble. And that could be a deciding thing. But you really think they're going to go and beat Purdue at Mackey Arena? I mean, let's get real. I mean, as of yesterday at this time, I openly questioned if they could go to Ohio State and win. So Correct. That, that's, that, that's the thing. is like You just don't know. You have no idea what to expect out of Indiana going into Saturday. Could they come in, come in and just completely lay an egg and lose by 25? Oh, totally. Could they come in and play really good basketball and lose by five? Yes. Could they go in there and play their best game of the season and somehow steal one at Mackey? I, maybe. I mean, it would shock me, but that's just where Indiana is. They don't know. There are eight games left on the season. Well, I will be shocked if they win more than four of these games. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll absolutely see if Indiana can get that done, especially with, as you mentioned, the majority of that game yesterday looking like a team that did not want to be there. 
Another text at 46862. Super weak Big Ten, and we're 500. Woodson has to go. It's not even a question. Here's the thing. If they afforded Archie Miller four years, they're going to afford Mike Woodson, an IU guy at that. Yeah, he's going to get four, four years. years. Like, I- and to me, do we see a situation where IU, instead of firing him, they, they reach some sort of buyout agreement after next season if things keep training the way that they are? And there's there's really no hope for next season. You look at the roster, uh, Xavier Johnson out of his eligibility. He's also out indefinitely. So, AKA, I don't see him returning the season. That's not really a surprise. Uh, Anthony Walker also out of eligibility. Yeah, Peyton Sparks, who's been a non-factor. Anthony Leal, does he come back? I, I, I don't know. Uh, Trey Galloway, I guess he stays. And then you get to the fact that there's only one incoming freshman. You have Khalil Ware probably going to the NBA. Wouldn't shock me if McKenzie and Baco transfers. There's just not a lot there. And then guys like CJ Gunn, Caleb Banks, Ja'Kai Newton, who's been injured, you know, what what do they do? There are just a lot of question marks on this roster. Caleb bringing the positivity to Hoosiers fans this morning. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, of what this team looks like next year, there's going to be a lot of questions for sure. Can they finish strong? We'll see, because... Prior to yesterday, IU was one of those teams that was in free fall. They lost four of five. Just got blown out at home by Penn State. Does one game change that? No. But that that then puts the 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 spotlight on Saturday night. Can IU win at Mackey? I don't think so. No. Can they be competitive at Mackey? I think that'd be a step forward because they weren't at home against Purdue. And, and that's the step you need to see, right? Just be competitive in these games. And last night after the first half, it felt like a team that had given up on the season and whatever they did at halftime and and it took a while to regroup. I still think that fourth foul on on Roddy Gale was huge because that's when things really turned around. IU was down 12 with seven minutes to play. Right. And then they rallied back. So that felt like a shifting point in that game. But for Mike Woodson in Indiana, the future, I don't think last night changed anything in the narrative coming up on the other side it's the day before the nba trade deadline are the pacers going to make a move one player indiana said to be interested in but i'd be surprised if they pulled the trigger that's next caleb and kenny in the morning 1380 the fan and 100.9 fm caleb and kenny in the morning 1380 the fan 100.9 fm caleb hatch and justin kenny with you 46862 is how you reach us on the text line again 46862 don't forget if you miss anything on the show, you can always catch up via the podcast. Just look for it at about 10.30, 11 a.m. each and every morning on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, all for free. All right, tomorrow, the NBA trade deadline, and the Pacers reportedly interested in Golden State's Andrew Wiggins. Now, heard this before, haven't we? Yeah. Wiggins, Wiggins talk. And, and, and that would be an exceptional move for the Pacers. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think a lot of people maybe have this impression that Golden State is going to sell at the deadline because they're over the luxury tax. And to put it nicely, their season's been a bit of a disaster. <laughs> they're below 500. Uh, they have an aging roster. Obviously, Steph Curry's not going anywhere. 
But a lot of people say, well, everyone should be on the table. Well, that's certainly not going to be the case. Clay Thompson got benched late the other night. I don't think he's going anywhere. Obviously, they're not going to be able to trade Draymond Green because of the contract extension they signed him to. But Andrew Wiggins is an interesting target. But here, here's the thing. The Pacers have Obi Toppin on an expiring contract, Buddy Heald on an expiring contract. We've talked about Heald at length. In my opinion, you work a move to get someone like an Andrew Wiggins. Buddy Heald doesn't bring the value to this team this year that he brought to last year. The Pacers are 11-17 and 17 when he starts. They're now 18-6 and six when he comes off the bench. I think that tells you all you need to know about Buddy Heald. He's just, he's, look, he's a good player. He has massive defensive limitations. And he's not had the season this year like he had last year. And on an expiring contract at that, I mean, it's kind of goes to show that you got to make these moves while you can because otherwise he's, he's, walking in free agency. It's not like they're going to re-sign him this offseason. Yeah, that's the thing, but you're not making a great case on moving Buddy Heald either in terms of another team that would want him. But Wiggins has kind of struggled. He's averaging a career low 12.2 points per game this year. Battled injuries, though. He has, yes. Uh, but over five seasons, has been very solid for Golden State. It was, of course, a key piece of their run. What was it, 22, two years ago? Yes. And so... Could that be something that's on the radar for the next day plus as we approach the trade deadline? Potentially. But it's an interesting point with where the Indiana Pacers are because they made the move to get Pascal Siakam to showcase that, yes, they're for real and serious about ascending the East and not just waiting until their draft picks mature. I think it would show even a next level of aggression if the Pacers make another move for an Andrew Wiggins by tomorrow afternoon. Well, I agree. The problem is, so you mentioned Buddy Hill. I mean, not making a case. He's having a good season, but he's clearly tailing off. I mean, he's gone from 16.8 points a game to 12. His three-point percentage has dipped a few percentage points from 42.5 to 38.5, basically. So he's slipped on that aspect, but also his minutes are down. He's playing... Uh, about five minutes less per game than he played last season. So he's not as important of a piece with the Pacers. And the Pacers have so much depth that they have the ability to work these trades. The problem is the pieces that teams are going to want, uh, they're going to want a Jairus Walker, who the Pacers drafted, right? Um, or Well, I guess they traded for it because technically they didn't draft it. This yeah, NBA's yeah. got to fix the stupid hat <laughs> thing. Drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, but Jairus Walker is probably not going to be traded. Pacers want to see where that's going to go. Uh, Jalen Smith, another, another guy who provides quality minutes and depth off the bench. Probably not going to trade him. Same with Isaiah Jackson. Uh, Obi Toppin and Buddy Heald on expiring contracts. And while they've been solid players, I, I mean, certainly it's going to take more than just that to land in Andrew Wiggins. You have to think that the Golden State would want some controllable players back. They don't want Buddy Heald whose contract ends at the end of the season. Uh, I would think they want some guys that they can retain that, that are under contract. So what what would the Pacers need to give up for an Andrew Wiggins? Because that's the thing is you don't want to take anything away. It can't be a wash. You need to improve the team by adding Wiggins. But if you're cutting into your depth to get Wiggins, it kind of doesn't make sense. 
So I don't know what you have to give to get Andrew Wiggins. I don't know what the market will be set at. Yeah, but certainly it's going to take more than the Pacers giving up those two guys on expiring contracts. Right, exactly. The Warriors need younger players, and they need pieces that they feel can contribute almost right away. And they've gotten lucky that Trace Jackson Davis fell into their lap, and he's been a a good piece off the bench. He is not a, a main rotation guy. Right. I mean, he's on the fringe of the rotation. Uh, the other rookie, Brandon Pajimski, he's been good. Same kind of thing. Um, they'll develop, and they're going to be good pros, but they're not the the long-term answer for a team that is aging and clearly needs to, if they want to get into the playoffs, they got a lot of work to do at the trade deadline. It's just plain and simple. Then they're looking to improve, too. So what, do they get rid of Wiggins? They have to make another move elsewhere to upgrade that team if they're going to try to make a run to the playoffs this year. Do you expect the Pacers to make a big move tomorrow? Because between no. today and tomorrow, I certainly don't either. No. This the, Yakum move was, that was the their move. move. Yeah, that was their move, their major move for this season. Uh, could we see something else in the offseason? Yeah, absolutely. But for the Pacers right now, uh, this Yakum trade, yeah, came weeks before the trade deadline, but it was effectively a deal with the trade deadline in mind. Well, and with. OG Ananobi to the Knicks and Siakam to the Pacers. Those were the the key people that the trade deadline sure. centered the conversations around. Now, for the Pacers, it it was going into the season. It was Buddy Heald, and you got to move him. Well, I think because they got Siakam, I think there's probably the feeling that well, there's you have a little bit more to work with because you're able to work that move. Yeah. Um... Yeah, who knows what will happen and what could uh, potentially come down, but I, I just I don't think it's going to be a very active here 24-plus hours for the Pacers. And with this team, I mean, you still got to figure out how Halliburton and Siakam you know, are, can both be healthy at the same time and play together and see what they can do. That There are signs that you feel like, okay, this could be you know, top four or five team of the East, but that's the ceiling with the roster they have now. There's still another piece away. And again, whether that's Benedict Matherin developing into the player, and he was out last night, uh, the player, as far as the third guy, Miles Turner, or a trade, they still got to add some more. They have great depth, but you got to have three really good to elite guys to win a title, and the Pacers have two. Paging Benedict Matherin. Paging Benedict Matherin. Can you take that next step, please? The fact that year two has been a bit of a sophomore slump, it kind of makes you wonder, but he was asked to do a lot more last year, played more minutes, so it's a different role yes. with this team. Yeah, uh, hopefully year three sees a, uh, a bounce back for him. 46862, your text line number again, 46862. Coming up on the other side, the Super Bowl favors the Chiefs, according to the moon. I'll explain that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Wednesday. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kenny with you. 46862 is your text line number. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. If you have thoughts on the Super Bowl and if you have a weird way of picking the winner, let us know on the text line because I'm about to tell you a weird way to pick the winner based on the moon. Now, the day of the Super Bowl, the moon will be in a waxing crescent phase. 
Uh, this morning, driving to work, I actually saw the moon. And it was in, any, in a waning crescent phase, I believe. What, what's the difference between waning and waxing? So waning is when it's getting less before oh, okay. it's, uh, and then. And waxing is when it's growing. Yes, I believe. Crescent's growing. Okay. That's my understanding. Okay. I am not uh, an expert in lunar, all things lunar, but that is my understanding. Mm-hmm. So the chiefs with the moon and the waxing crescent phase, this, this is an unbelievable stat. This is why I'm all locked in on Kansas City for this game. Well, among other among reasons. Among other things. Among very many other reasons. Uh-huh. But the Chiefs, in the last five years, under waxing crescent conditions, 19-1. and one. This includes the January 13th uh, playoff win over uh, the Dolphins as well. Okay. So the lone loss... Because I think that's what everyone's going to wonder. Uh, came October 10th, 2021. So it's been a minute yeah. since the Chiefs have lost during the now everyone wants to, Yeah. Everyone wants to talk about the Chiefs wearing the red jerseys and that the, the home team has not done well. In fact, 37 of the 57 Super Bowl winners have worn white. But this is this is real tint. Uh, real... Yeah. real uh, Tantalizing stuff here. This is this is really concrete information here that you're saying. This is a definite with the Chiefs and the waxing crescent moon. 19 of 20. Yes. Also, the home team 3 and 16 since 2004, but the Chiefs already beat the 49ers wearing red, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> so they've proven they can do it. Yeah. I I I guess I'm rooting for the Chiefs in this game. I am uh, as well. Um but I almost, as this week has gone on, kind of thought, well, if Brock Purdy just comes out and has himself an MVP game, <laughs> then uh, I, I really want to listen to the show on Monday morning with Caleb. So you, you know how much I love Brock Purdy. I know you do. That's why I'm saying some part of me kind of wants to see that make for good radio. But I think the Chiefs win this game. I do as well. Because the waxing crescent is just the icing on the cake. Yeah. If you needed anything else, this to me is the the lock for Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. It definitely is. Was, well, people put so much into astrology and moon phases and stuff anyway, you know, talking about full moons, like, you know, why not why not the waxing crescent? Why can't that mean something? Well, it seems like it's meant something for Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Well, it's certainly, in, I mean, it's it's not it's not like we're talking like a full moon here, right? This is a more yes. more common phase. Yeah. So on the lunar cycle. Now, here's an interesting thing that I saw: a comparison between the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs rosters in terms of star ratings when they were in college or entering college includes the 53 man roster and the injured reserve. Okay, uh, San Francisco. Four five stars, 15 four stars, 21 three stars. Kansas City, five five stars, 17 four stars, 22 three stars. Uh, San Francisco had three JUCOs, not ranked, okay, on their 53 man and injured reserves. No, no stars, not ranked. San Francisco had 11. Kansas City has nine. I thought that was kind of interesting. Everyone talks about recruiting rankings coming out, coming out of high school. 
They don't really mean anything once you step on the field in college. Is it surprising to you that there are more on each roster that were not ranked in college rankings, college recruiting rankings, than five-star guys? Uh, no. Me neither. I mean, there's more guys that aren't Because ranked, the NFL does sure. a way better job at talent evaluation. talent evaluation, but also these are more developed players. I mean, guys coming out of high school, right? 18-year-old kids. So it's just that's more of a crapshoot to begin with. Very interesting, too. 43 combined players on both these teams were three-star recruits heading into college. Kind of the the guys that you're 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 recruiting gurus and and uh, and fans. Ah, oh, you know those three stars. We got to go after the fours and fives. Forty three players combined on both the Niners and Chiefs were three star recruits. I mean, th- think of it this way: How many of the elite high school recruits who do make it to the NFL, which you're, to be fair, more likely to make it compared to anyone else if you're a five star, but how many of those guys go on to the NFL with starring roles? Uh, not not a lot. Of them. You see it some, but it's it's not a guarantee. No, not at all. You you have more, especially when we talk about the number one recruits in each class. Like there's more stories of failure than stories of success. But not not to say that that the star rankings don't mean anything, but it doesn't mean a guarantee. Star, you know, star, uh, star career in the NFL. That's for sure. But one of those three star recruits playing in the Super Bowl, of course, Drew Tranquil. Yeah, who had quite the career at Notre Dame, and then a strong start to his career with the Chargers, and now signing with the Chiefs in the offseason and an opportunity for a Super Bowl. Yes, very cool. Looking forward to that. Uh, someone asking on the text line at four six eight six two CK, how do they determine the home team? Whatever conference wins the Pro Bowl, uh, thankfully not. Uh, the home team just alternates each year from the AFC representative to the NFC representative and back again. So it's just the AFC representative's turn. Yes. Pretty simple. As it should be. Just go back and forth. Yeah. Coming up on the other side, a man is suing McDonald's after there was cheese on his Big Mac. Yes. How dare they put cheese on his Big Mac? At least that's what he has to say. That's coming up next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping it up today here on Wednesday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning. And uh, this happened in New York. A man with a severe milk allergy suing a New York City McDonald's claiming he almost died after eating a Big Mac that contained a slice of cheese. So he suffered an anaphylaxis reaction after he took a bite out of the Big Mac in February of 2021, according to a lawsuit that was filed Friday. Uh, the 28-year-old ordered the Big Mac over a food delivery app, uh, DoorDash, requested no American cheese. Obviously, there was American cheese, according to him, on the burger. He claims his throat began to itch and swell. Uh, he looked at his girlfriend and coughed. There's milk in this. Um then his body was covered in hives, had trouble breathing. He was rushed to the hospital. Here's my issue in all of this. <laughs> if you have a severe dairy allergy, aren't you checking everything to make sure there's no cheese? I mean, I'm sure we have people li- listening that have allergies, whether it's peanut allergy or whatever. Like, How sure are you before you eat something that it doesn't have something on it or in it that you're allergic to? Especially when you're ordering that food from a restaurant, especially McDonald's, where they're just hurrying their way through and sometimes mistakes happen, right? 
It's like it, it is your responsibility. Yeah, that's what that's my thing. It's your responsibility to make sure that your food that you're putting in your mouth doesn't have any dairy in it. Well, I ordered it with no cheese. Did you look at it? Wouldn't you, if you have a life-threatening allergy, look to make sure that the food you're about to inhale doesn't have cheese on it? Uh, his attorney said that it was a really, really traumatic experience for him. Well, yeah, he had to be hospitalized. Yeah. Um, I understand that, but that doesn't warrant a lawsuit. Uh, yeah, the, his come on. His attorney said how he's he's ordered this through DoorDash multiple times. Never had a problem with it. Well, yeah, check your food. Check your food, dude. You're you're. Uh, yeah, this, this is, is just dumb. this yeah. is chasing money. This is so dumb. Now I'm sure he'll win the case. Okay, he'll get some money because that's just <laughs> how this country works. But dude. It's your fault. You ate it. Look at your food. Make sure it doesn't have cheese on it. Personal responsibility. Still important. Still relevant. And as always, people who fail to take it are usually the ones blaming others. Yes. That wraps it up for us today. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Batch. Dan Patrick is next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Week with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from 4 to 6. All here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Have a great day.